0: From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show.
1: Hello and welcome everyone. I'm uh, Bill Renschler in the 1011 Now streaming studio alongside sports director Kevin Suits. Uh, Kevin, this is the End Report Husker show. It's been since May of 22 that we recorded a podcast. Uh, And since we've gotten some upgraded kind of toys here, we knew we wanted to kind of restart this, bring this back. And so welcome to kind of again the inaugural re-debut of the End Report Husker podcast. 2023 Nebraska
2: football season is set to begin this week. The Huskers travel up to Minneapolis to take on the Golden Gophers, which will kick off the Matt Rule era. So what a better time to... Get, to get talking it started.
1: So again, for everyone again joining us, uh, again, you can stream this live. We're live right now on 1011 streaming platforms, again, including 1011 Now uh, live stream on the website, Roku app, Fire TV app, uh, YouTube, everywhere. You can obviously watch on demand afterwards when this is done. Can and you, you say can, that in your sleep now, too? Uh, basically, the, yeah. Roku, Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, tongue, Android like TV, TV in, Samsung TV. Yeah. There's so many TVs now, it's really hard to keep up with all of the new ones. But And then also, you can listen on uh, wherever you get your uh, wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, so uh, again, Kevin Suits and Chase Madison are very busy. So we're going to try and uh, again use their time uh, judiciously today. We're going to go ahead and bring in uh, Chase Madison right now. He's joining from the sports office. Chase, how are you doing all the way over there?
3: Yeah, not too far away. Uh, but I'm doing well, and you know, it's it is a busy time of year, a very busy week of all of the Huskers. It is.
1: In it. it is. And there's a lot. A, there's a lot to talk about for the next couple of days. My first question I want to ask both of you, Kevin, I'm going to start with you, uh, is again, you've been covering the team for a long time. As me, as a fan, I kind of have this emotion of anxiousness, nervousness, excitement, kind of mixed with maybe some dread. What kind of emotions do you feel as we kind of get ready for a season opener? Let's just go. Like I, I i'm kind of tired already is that we, that's very weird to say out loud well we started but this on I, july 31st i i
2: feel like i had fall camp fatigue about three weeks ago <laughs> so just anxious to see the team mm-hmm. especially considering all the new pieces that are a part of this 2023 husker uh team new head coach new coaching staff there's only one retained coach and donovan raiola and Nebraska has over 60 newcomers on the roster this year. So curious just to see them in a Husker uniform and then how they fit the new offensive and defensive schemes. So there, there are so many mysteries. And I guess that's why I just I say let's go. like Let's, let's go. get it started. Let's get it Thursday done.
1: cannot come soon enough. No, it can't. Chase, what about you? Again, this is your first season covering the Huskers. What kind of emotions have you been feeling, again, following the team the last few weeks? But finally, you know, we get to play some meaningful football.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a set of fresh eyes, but also, you know, Coach Rule is new to coaching the Huskers. And I think he's, you know, reviving some old traditions, but bringing his own flair to um, the head coaching role of a prestigious program that has a lot of respect. But I also think people are um, – well, Kevin said, let's go, and people want to see the Huskers play, obviously. I think there's some leniency with Coach Rule and just some of the things that he's done already, people kind of respect – but, you know, when they hit the field in Minnesota this upcoming week, you know, that's when really we get to start to see the team and kind of what this team might look like. There's a lot of questions unanswered still.
1: Yeah. Again, again, we've said multiple times, I think, that uh, so far, Rule has won the offseason. But, again, things uh, can change pretty quickly if you start putting some losses on the board or something like that. My next question uh, being, you know, again, in that regard with the offseason, do you think the culture that Matt Rule wants – Do you think he's been successful in installing that culture i would say again at least from my perspective it feels a little bit different than maybe did with frost or with riley
2: yeah i don't know that it's fair to compare the different coaching staffs because they all have different styles um and they all wanted different things you know emphasized and obviously for matt rule one of the things that means a lot to him and the staff is as you mentioned culture and it's about being comfortable being uncomfortable they lived in the dorms for a couple of weeks during fall camp and even preceding fall camp just the way that this team conducted themselves you know behind closed doors in the classroom you know he even matt rule is very proud of the fact that the nebraska football team had the highest gpa in the program's history this past spring that means a lot going to class eating the right things uh, having good attendance and other weightlifting sessions. And then not only going to those weightlifting sessions, but Nebraska took on some completely new uh, behaviors and habits and emphasis in the weight room. And that's all a part of Corey Campbell's hiring and being in charge of Nebraska strength and conditioning. So all of those things kind of play into the fact that Matt Rule doesn't let things just happen. They are all with intent. And we've seen so many examples of that and the meaning behind the intent in every instance is to have the culture that he wants, where there is uh, a spirit of accountability, commitment toward one another, and then also just doing things
1: right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase, I'm going to play a soundbite here. You from Coach Rule. This came from uh, his press conference he had on Friday, and I want you to kind of just give me your reaction to this sound.
0: I'm, I'm confident that we're going to play hard. I'm confident that we're gonna be a physical team. I'm confident that uh, if things don't go well early, that we're not gonna panic. I'm confident that if things do go well early, we're not gonna celebrate. <laughs> you know what I mean? like our guy, I think our guys understand that this is a 60-minute game and this is a 12-game season. Um, and I'm confident we'll have fun together, you know? Um, my wife, uh, she knows me really well, obviously, right? And she said to me, she said, no, you're not gonna be all stressed out, are you? Like, go have fun and this is the type of team you can go have fun with like you really can't you know like you know, i've had some other teams like i'm like you know on, on top of everything this is the type of team you can go have fun with so i'm i'm, I'm gonna be loose and i'm gonna go play and um you know what, what better thing to go play a, 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 an opponent like this you know that goes to bowl games every year and uh, has success and so um it'll be a great way to test ourselves but you know again to going back to steve's question about late in the game and all those things you know we're, we're going to be a team i don't know when We're going to be a team that plays our best football in the fourth quarter.
1: So, Chase, uh, again, you talked about fourth quarter there. Again, talked about fourth quarter again today in his uh, press conference. What do you make of that soundbite there from uh, Coach Rule?
3: Yeah, well, I think it's just a testament to the culture he's already kind of created here. Um, But also just a lot of, you know, confidence in trusting his players. Uh, He kind of has, I guess in the best way to say it, like, he's got a short leash with players and um, I think what that in turn players buying into the system and there were some even older guys who said like it was almost easier for freshmen to adapt to rule because he had so many different things than some of the guys that have been within the program for the frost era so I think players are bought in and now you're getting to a point where they've done all the hard work they've done countless on countless reps where They can go out and have fun and kind of enjoy each other um you saw that with some of the pranks put out by husker football online you saw that from just kind of the camaraderie in the dorms so um i think this is a team that's really strong together Um, now whether that translates to actual play on the field is kind of what rule is hinting at in that sound bite like you know not answering the full question like we don't know exactly what this team's going to look like but him saying that he's confident that they're going to have fun is a very good sign and something that I think fans should look forward to.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. So moving on from, again, culture questions, I want to ask Kevin, you, Kevin about the offense. Again, obviously, Jeff Sims, transfer quarterback from Georgia Tech. He's QB1 after Casey Thompson tra- transfers out. Um, sounds like Matt Rule wants to run the ball. How much Jeff Sims is a part of that? How many design quarterback runs there actually are? Still to be seen. What are your thoughts on Jeff Sims leading this team offensively and running the ball, and how key is it to, to be able to do that successfully to have a successful outcome? Jeff,
2: Jeff Sim's success this season is going to largely hinge upon how the offensive line performs, and this is a veteran group. Among the five projected starters, they have more than 100 career starts of college football. That includes Ben Scott, who transferred in from Arizona State, and he's the number one center for Nebraska. If they can protect Jeff Sims, I think he can very easily hit that 65% completion percentage goal, which the coaching staff has placed upon him. The challenge with Jeff Sims will be to know Marcus Satterfield's offense, and also how good is he situationally? Given the fact that he has played multiple seasons as a starter at Georgia Tech, that would lead you to believe that he should be improved in the situational awareness when to tuck and run on a third down, or when to just check the ball down early on a drive. So I think that Jeff Sims might have a really, really good year, and. Surprising or maybe not surprising, he has even shown up on some Heisman boards like way down the list. But he's a dual threat guy. And look at who won the Heisman Trophy last year and the last several years Caleb Mm. Williams. The dual threat quarterbacks, you know, if you have the right pieces around you, you can be a very effective quarterback. And Nebraska, you have to roll the clock back a little ways to get to somebody that maybe has the explosiveness of Jeff Sims. I think Adrian Martinez early in his career would be the most recent comparison, but Jeff has more experience than Adrian did in year one and year two. And Jeff has a bigger arm than Adrian did he's a big guy too I think he's durable for the big 10 so I'm pretty high on Jeff Sims but I'm still yet very curious to see how he does once this season gets rolling and while I think the offensive line should do a fairly good job of protecting him the other side of the question regarding Jeff Sims is who's catching the football and one of the weakest positions on Nebraska's roster may be at wide receiver. They don't have too many he- They don't have a Trey Palmer this year. Nope. They don't have a J.D. Spielman. They don't have a Brandon Riley or a Nate Swift. They have a bunch of guys that are unproven. They have some experience. But when it's third and seven, as of right now, when it's third and seven, who's getting the football? Right now, we don't know. Maybe after Thursday, we know that Isaiah Garcia Castaneda is the guy. But right now, it's it's really a big mystery. So, you know, Jeff Sims, we can say he's going to throw for X number of yards, X thousand number of yards. But if he doesn't have the right guys to catch the football, that's going to limit his ceiling. So... Let's see how Nebraska, and Malachi Coleman could work, his, work himself into the conversation. They need Marcus Washington to be healthy. He will go to Minnesota. I don't know that he's gonna start, but he is somebody that has legitimate college experience and a year under his belt at Nebraska. So who's catching the football? I think that goes hand in hand with the Jeff Sims production
1: conversation. I, I 100% agree, and Chase, <laughs> While Kevin mentioned, again, wide receivers maybe being an unknown uh, at this point for this team. One thing that I guess I would say is not unknown is that running back room. Or they have three guys. Uh, I think that Matt Rule would feel pretty comfortable sending out there to start. Plus a fourth guy, a young guy, uh, Emmett Johnson, who's going to be returning kickoffs. It sounds like, uh, according to uh, Rule, after his press conference today. What do you make of that running back room? Do you think there might be uh, like a thousand-yard rusher in there somewhere, or is this going to be more of a committee, and we're going to see, you know, maybe three guys with five, six hundred yards apiece by the end of the year?
3: Yeah, well, I think Matt Rule and Nebraska fans would love to have another 1,000-yard rusher. And there's been some historic running backs come through Nebraska. But you know, I would kind of lean more running back by committee. Maybe Gabe Urban is going to step up and be the guy. Um, obviously, Anthony Grant, we know what he can do on the field, and he's explosive. But he's been fumbling in practice, and that slides him to the number three running back in Ramir Johnson seeing work in that third down pass catching back role. Um, but if, they, if Gabe Irvin just kind of explodes on the scene, they use the fullback, uh, then I think there could be a thousand yard rusher and it would be Gabe Irvin. Uh, but you do look at this running back room as with more faith than the receiving room, for sure. Uh, just because, you know, Gabe Irvin is a guy that had a lot of promise in the beginning of his Nebraska career and now finally putting it all together and staying healthy in camp. And then Anthony Grant is kind of in a prove it self role that maybe if he's only getting five to 10 carries a game, when he gets the ball, he might be even more explosive because he's getting limited touches. And then, as you mentioned, Emmett Johnson returning kicks. I think that's a great role for him, a way to get the ball into somebody's hands, uh, someone that's younger and kind of in the back of the depth chart. Um, so we'll have to see what he can do for him.
1: And I have. Uh, we'll listen here real quick. Uh, this is Gabe Urban uh, from last week's press conference again, talking about being named the starting running back, dealing with injuries. So let's listen to uh, let's listen to Gabe Urban here.
4: After that first year, I kind of got it like you know, okay, you know, you got to lean on each other, lean on guys, and um, just like you know, taking it taking it a step up where like every time I touch the field, it could be taken away from you at any time. So. I just don't take the take the field for granted, you know. I think about I um, I get to it's uh, like I get to do this, not like um, I got to do this, you know. I get to do this because everybody else don't, you know, have a um, opportunity to do these things. So I take practice and take everything. Every time I put my helmet on, I get to do this, you know, instead of I got to do this, you know. It's a big difference. So you don't take everything for granted and you wear that in, like it's like, you know, the standard. You man, like, you know, I think of a whole different perspective, you know, since I got hurt, you know, I just, I really have a a strong will to do things, you know.
1: Kevin, what do you make of that sound bite? Again, very grateful attitude there coming out of Gabe Irvin.
2: Sounds like he's been reading John Gordon books, (laughs) you know, um, a guy that is all about encouraging individuals and and finding their passion. Uh, Gabe Irvin's a bruising back. I think he's very humble in the fact that he emerges fall camp as Nebraska's top running back. Uh, I don't want to rule out Anthony Grant so quick. I think that he could become the forgotten guy in a hurry, especially if Gabe Irvin gets uh, a lion's share of the carries against Minnesota. But Anthony Grant, keep in mind, last year, Nebraska's not had a rusher hit 1,000 yards since Divina Zigbo. And Anthony Grant was over 900. He was close. He was close to hitting 1,000. Get a really productive year, um, but for this coaching staff, you can't turn the football over. No, and that doesn't mean Gabe Irvin is immune to it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, when he starts seeing a maroon jersey across the way, they're coming for the football. So, I, I quickly think that it might be more of a committee situation this year. And if you have a committee, it's harder to get to the 1k mark, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and plus. Matt Rule even said in his final thoughts before the team departs for Minnesota that he has to have Ramirez Johnson on the field, and Ramir is the most experienced of all the Ibacks. Yeah, he's he is just so versatile. I'm a huge Ramirez Johnson fan. He can catch the football. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there and block a blitzing linebacker, and he's gone through a lot. It feels like he's been here for like eight he's years. gone through a lot as a Nebraska football player. And uh, I think there's a lot of people within the fan base that are pulling for Amir Johnson to have a really nice season.
1: Kevin, defensively now, on the defensive side of the football, you look at single-digit jerseys, eight of the ten went to defensive players. So a lot of those black shirts that they just handed out earlier this week, they're lining up on defense. I think there's been some talk this preseason that maybe the defense would could be the strength of this team. A lot of experience in the secondary defensive line. Seems like guys like Nash Hutmaker, Huttmaker, uh, Blaze Gunnerson maybe stepping up some newcomers, MJ uh, MJ Sherman, Prince Will. I'm not even gonna say his last name. Uh and then I'm Cam, not either. Cam, Cam Cameron Linhart. And well. Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Cam Cam Limhart as well. What do you make of the defense? What do you make of Tony White's 3-3-5 system?
2: Well, I think the defense is naturally always ahead of the offense when there is a, scheme, a schematic change or a new offense is being installed. It just takes longer to learn an offensive playbook than a defensive playbook because there's just so many nuances and intricacies with how to run an offense. Defense, you know, it's not as simple as see ball, get ball, or see ball carrier and hit ball carrier, but in a way, you know, when it all comes down to it, that's what defense is all about. Flying to the football sticking your nose in there, and bringing a guy to the ground. That's right. So the defense just always seems to have an expedited training camp, no matter where it's at, no matter what level, when there is a coaching change or a coordinator change or a schematic change. With that said, Nebraska has a lot of guys on defense that have played a lot of football. And you look specifically in that that defensive back room. Quentin Newsom may be one of the best defensive backs in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Tony White has even said as much. He might be one of the top guys in the league. And I think Quentin probably has an NFL future in him as well. Uh, Malcolm Hartzog got some very valuable playing time last year as a freshman. And kudos to the previous coaching staff for putting Malcolm Hartzog out there mm-hmm. because even though the season didn't go the way Nebraska wanted it to go, at least there were players that benefited from those game reps in a season that it did not amount to a bowl game. And the first person that comes to my mind is Malcolm Hartzog. He's back for his sophomore year, great kid, one of the smartest guys on the team. And so Malcolm Hartzog might make a huge jump from year one to year two. I know we've only focused on two guys, but if you look across the defense, they have veteran guys in key spots. Uh, we just talked about the corners. How about middle linebacker? Luke Reimer, he might end up number two on Nebraska's career tackles list. And then up front, Ty Robinson. He's been here multiple years and has been through the ringer as well. So the defense not only has the advantage over the off- offense just based on how camp unfolds with a, with a new scheme, but also they have the personnel that allows that to possibly be the strength of the team. I'm not saying that they're going to limit Minnesota to under 14 points in the season opener. But I'm saying this unit does have the potential to create a lot of havoc. I think specifically, this defense will be much better at taking the football away than the last four or five defenses we've seen out of the
1: Nebraska football program. Yeah, that would be a really nice change to see. I think they'll
2: create more fumbles. I think they'll get more interceptions. I just think that... There's going to be a different attitude you'll maybe notice with this group and some of that is tony white's three-three-five scheme some of it is guys that are veteran guys who have been through big 10 football and they think less and they just go play more
1: yeah and chase i think we'll find out pretty quickly you know minnesota going to line up you know their line is probably bigger than the green bay packers line they're going to have multiple tight ends fullback and they're going to run it right at you so again I, you know, the the players have said they're ready to, you know, maybe hit another team instead of their own team. They're going to get hit in the mouth pretty quick when they line up against Minnesota.
3: Yeah, going back to talk about the defense a little bit, I think it's a balance of how the offense maybe has had some rust or just a little bit of quirks that makes the defense look better in fall camp. Um, but also, you know, kind of to, to say what Kevin's point is, I think Tony White's defense is something that's pretty adaptable and allow the players – that have experience or like already are good enough on the field, now it's just about converting it to that new scheme. And you look at Syracuse last year, where Tony White came from, they held opponents to under 24 points average across the entire season. And I watched some Syracuse games, their offense was kind of abysmal and almost hard to watch at times that the defense was winning the games. And I think for Nebraska to win some of these close games in the Big 10 that is competitive and tough, I think it's gonna be the defense that pushes them over the edge. uh, And and a defense that has a lot of experience across the board and getting SEC transfers like Chief Borders and MJ Sherman that really can elevate it to the next level. I think the defense is gonna be exciting.
2: That's a really good point by Chase there, bringing up Chief Borders and MJ Sherman. I think Nebraska really upgraded from the transfer portal defensively with those two guys because MJ and Chief, both big guys, both with legitimate college experience and I think the biggest point with those two individuals in particular they're going to rush the quarterback and Nebraska's pass rush has really lacked mm-hmm. over the last 5 years this is this is a defense that I think just has a higher ceiling to get to the quarterback than some of the previous years and it doesn't have to come from the edge i think Nash Hutmaker is capable of doing that and plus moving Ty Robinson from nose guard to d end i mean how many DNs have the frame of Ty Robinson? And he's good on his feet. He's 6'6, 3'10. Robinson's a junior. So, you know, he was typically thought of as an interior defensive lineman. But now with this scheme, they're able to move him to allow Nash to play in the middle. And you're gonna you're gonna occupy maybe multiple offensive linemen to try to block Ty Robinson because he's a big guy that can move. And that should hopefully free up an alleyway to bring pressure off the edge with MJ with Chief, or perhaps Blaze Gunnarsson, if you mm-hmm. line it up right.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think, Chase, uh, you have a guy like uh, Nick Henrich uh, and linebackers, you know, really experienced guys that are going to be finding gaps in this defensive line with guys like Nash and Ty uh, clogging up some of those offensive linemen.
3: Yeah, and I think that rover position is a really interesting spot to look at with Isaac Gifford. And, Playing downhill and kind of stopping the run, I think, while the cornerbacks have a ton of experience and the passing game like will be a, a key for the defense to stop, I think you look at the Big Ten, this is smash mouth, not high-scoring football that likes to run the ball across a lot of the teams in the Big Ten. And so I think that's going to be even more important, to your point, filling those gaps and just kind of taking advantage of you know the defensive line occupying multiple linemen at a time
1: so uh kevin moving over to special teams it was announced today rule said tristan alvano will start as kicker uh beating out team of bleak road at least for now again he's a freshman we've talked about this earlier in one of our conversations you know he's kicked in high school he's kicked well in high school he's got a big leg but he's never kicked in college he's never kicked in front of ninety thousand or however many it's going to be in memorial stadium so that might be a, a position to continue to watch as the year goes on.
2: Matt Rule said, age is not an excuse. And even brought, brought up the point that some of these freshmen like Tristan Alvano, they're old enough to go serve our country overseas. So if they're old enough to do that, they're old enough to kick a football in front of 90,000 <laughs> people. So, you know, and, and it's not uncommon a freshman to serve as a starting kicker across Mm -hmm. college football or in the power five it sometimes is uncommon for a freshman to start on the offense or defensive line in power five college football you think about this the kicker you hope they don't get touched all season it's it's not physical what they do so much of it is emotional and mental and we know physically Tristan Alvano is capable of hitting. 40 and 50 yard field goals. He's got a bigger leg than Timmy Bleak Road. So is this a risky uh, personnel choice by the coaching staff? Maybe, but if you look at potential and what is Matt Rule doing this year? He's building for what? The future. Mm -hmm. What is Tristan Alvano? The future. So there's a lot of things that make sense for Tristan Alvano to have this role. And if he struggles, you have a great 1b in timmy bleak road unfortunately bleak roads in in a challenging spot and he knew that you know one of the first practices that we got to conduct interviews with nebraska football players during fall camp bleak road was among the gentlemen that came out to uh chat with reporters and he talked about the friendly nature of the competition and how he's just trying to focus solely on himself and his skill set and you know not let the quote-unquote position battle get to him so, Bleak Road's got to stay ready. Keep in mind, in, what was it, 2018, Nebraska went through, what, six kickers that year?
1: I think they eventually ended up with someone from the student section at I, one point. I
2: mean, that was very outlandish and very, very rare. But, it is not uncommon for there to be multiple kickers used within a season. Mm-hmm. So, Alvano's number one, Bleak Road's number two. That decision goes almost all the way up to kickoff for Nebraska's season opener. And then, off wise they haven't say, said who's going to do that. It could be Bleak Road. It could be Alvano. I honestly think it's going to be Brian Bushini. Bushini started training on that with this new coaching staff because he knows if he's a punter that can also do kickoffs, it increases his value as he NFL. looks forward into uh, a potential career in the NFL.
1: And uh, Chase, so I want to ask you this question. Uh, we talked already about Emmett Johnson, Ramir Johnson being your return guys on kickoff. And the one thing that I think will either drive a lot of Husker fans crazy or it'll make them really happy is he said, we are not going to fair catch kickoffs. If you catch it, you know, at the 12, you are not fair catching it. They want you, he wants those guys to run and and try and break a return.
3: Yeah, well, and at times you have to look at it like analytically, are you going to get better odds at just taking the fair catch and going to the 25? And this is a it's just it's a question at hand, right? And it's also, a, you know, situationally, time left in the game. Maybe if you're coming down to a two-minute drill, maybe you don't do that. Um, but it is exciting to, to to hear that just because it's kind of going back to that traditional football days. Um, but I, I think, you know, that's kind of a – there's more risk there. But, you know, Matt Rule is taking risk. We see it with Albano, and we see it with some of the – even putting Emmett Johnson as the kick returner, right? And any quick mistakes, I think it's gonna be a pretty short leash for some of, those, some of those players, even though there will be growing pains as, as we can expect.
2: You know, when I heard that comment about, we are not going to fair catch a kickoff at the 12 yard line, my mind went less to the situation that was being outlined and it went quickly to, you know what? When Matt Rule believes something, he believes it. I've said that since he got hired here that there are just some things that he is very firm in his, and confident in, whether it's situational football, whether it's how he conducts the football program, or the standard in which he holds his players, too. So, this was yet another example. It's like he says, you know, people want to know, like, how important is it to start fast? Forget that. He wants to finish strong. Fourth mm-hmm. quarter, like, ad nauseum, he will tell you what wins football games. Running the football, converting on third downs. What wins football games? Running the football, converting on third downs. And so he just, that's a part of his football DNA. He is very passionate and he's very confident in that. And so when he says, we're not fair catching the football at the 12-yard line, that's just what he believes in. It's almost like if you have a department store and then there's like a new fad of, of how to like put the window dressing out there for all the customers that are coming in. Yeah. Somebody that just says, you know what? We're not doing that. I don't believe in that. We're going to go with this. We're going to have green tinted windows because you know what? (laughs) Green tinted windows bring people in. So whether it's wrong or right, it's just what he firmly believes. Mm -hmm. So Matt Rule likes green tinted
1: windows. Yeah, there you go. Just another example of him putting his fingerprints on the program.
3: Yeah, well, and I also think he has a lot of faith in special teams coach at Foley, you know, it's, it's a guy that has a ton of experience. And so I think while Rule might have his mark and his stamp and wants to do things certain ways, which I kind of – everyone's bought into it so far. So unless unless it doesn't work, you know, right now we're going to believe and I guess drink the Rule Aid as the fans are saying, right? Uh, but, you know, with Coach Foley, I think he's a guy that has experience that if things start to, like, quiver and there is some issues with special teams he's a guy that is intense we've seen it in practice that will be able to straighten those mistakes out so i think i, I like the, i like taking a risk i like i like them running out the kicks and i also like having a freshman kicker starting
1: yep said you, you know eventually sometime this season may not be the first game they're going to hit they're going to return something big return spark the offense so we'll see will they well, it could we'll see <laughs> we
3: will it could it, well i actually would I would put more money on a punt return happening than a kick return. I think Billy Kemp IV is a pretty dynamic player in space coming from Virginia. Um, I don't know how he'll be a good receiver, but you know, I think he also could be a pretty decent punt returner.
1: Uh, that just leads me into my next question. Last year, 2022, the whole year, five punt returns, 77 yards. Wait, what? For Nebraska. Five punt returns, 77 yards. The whole season. I am stunned. I know. Having I w- been,
2: at, been or watched every game and on, on occasion multiple times. There was a lot of fair catches. There was a lot of fair catches and a lot of running away from the football, huh?
1: And I, I went back and I looked. This is before your time, Chase. There used to be a guy who played here. His name was Demorne Pierce-Nell. And he was an excellent, excellent punt returner. His freshman year, he had almost 600 yards and three touchdowns punt returns.
2: Yeah, uh, wow. I mean, we could spend another five to ten minutes just yeah. talking about the great punt returners. Uh, for Nebraska, Dewan Gross, J.D. Spielman, mm. you know, Amir Abdullah, Santino Panico was not one of them. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that that is shocking. I think. Well, keep in mind they didn't have a special teams coordinator
1: for four years. No, which was very bizarre. So Billy Kemp, again, I think with his history at Virginia, will be a huge step forward in that regard. We hope. So a couple more things before we before we wrap it up. I wanted to ask just about the dichotomy of the two programs that are playing on Thursday. Minnesota, PJ Fleck, I think is where I think a lot of Nebraska fans would take what PJ Fleck has built in Minnesota right now. 8-9 wins almost every year, bowl game, they run the ball, big mean offensive line. Yeah, they know,
2: would take it, but would you take all the other shenanigans that
1: go with it? No, you probably wouldn't. They probably would, you
2: know,
1: row the boat and low, all low, that. Low, ski, blah, 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 blah,
2: blah. That's what I always say. Yeah. Cuz I can't understand everything he says. His words per minute by the way, PJ Fleck like off the chart. <laughs>
1: I would hate to transcribe a PJ Fleck press conference. Yeah. That would not be fun. But, I mean, again, Nebraska hadn't been to a bowl game in what? Five, six years now? You know, trying to win games. Minnesota is, again, this team that, you know, you can say say we want to be PJ Fleck, but they're winning games. They're going to bowl games. And
2: PJ Fleck is very good in the postseason, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is our moment to give him some credit and his coaching staff that, you know, despite, I guess, how lathered up that program is and. Uh, you know, they're just a little extra, to use a word that a lot of the kids use. They are a little extra, <laughs> but at the end, they win games, and you they do. win in the postseason. And that's one of the things, uh, one of the reasons I think Minnesota has an advantage on Nebraska. They have a coaching staff that is typically good when given a lot of time to scheme and prepare that, you know, they, they perform pretty well. So, um, I don't know if your question is as simple as would you take what P.J. Fleck has built at Minnesota, or how does what they do compared to what Nebraska is currently doing?
1: Yeah, it's just an interesting comparison. I, I, again, we're looking at where Nebraska is now versus where Minnesota is now. Again, I think that's kind of the blueprint that Rule wants is to kind of have his team look a little bit like Minnesota, run the ball well, stop, you know, do well on third down, both offensively and defensively, and don't don't beat yourself.
2: Yeah, and Minnesota is a fairly disciplined team in that regard. Matt Rule, I thought it was really interesting when when the conversation started to shift from his team and fall camp into Minnesota prep, he was very quick to compliment P.J. Fleck. He's got a lot of respect for that coaching staff and that program, and I even got a sense that there was a hint of a little bit of admiration for the way that they have sustained Mm -hmm. the ability to run the football, and the way that they have become a black and blue team in the Big Ten West. They are in contention nearly every year in the division. And we've seen some great November ball games that have matched Minnesota and Wisconsin or Minnesota and Iowa.
1: All right, so Chase and Kevin, we you guys did your preseason special that aired Sunday night. If anyone hasn't seen that again, you can watch it on 1011 uh, uh all of our platforms as well as on YouTube. You guys gave some predictions for the season. Chase, you said 7 and 5.
3: Yeah, I was being uh, I was being positive, right? We is he backtracking?
1: Ever... He might. Sounds like he might be trying to. No,
3: well, so I, I, the way I had it, the way I think that the season could easily go, had me at six and six. But I said, you know, maybe a ball will fall their way. Maybe they'll have a punt that that lands out at the one, right? The perfect situation, and they go seven and five. I was just being, you know, glass half full. Well, the question
1: I want to ask you is, what do you think the ceiling? would be for a win total not necessarily again you said seven and five but what do you think again like you said something's got to go right something's got to go there where what do you think the ceiling is for this team
3: well uh to, to answer that question i would start with that the floor is four wins the floor that would it would be the non-con games and well not all the non-con games two of the non-con games and then two of the big 10 games because colorado is not a guarantee um uh, even though i do think nebraska will have the better team in week two But looking at the ceiling, I would say, you know, this would this. I'm not trying to shock Nebraska fans, but I'm probably saying that the ceiling is seven wins, maybe eight. I think eight is stretching it. I think seven wins would be the ceiling, and it'd be a very good season for year one of parole.
2: Do you agree? I think it's eight. I think eight and four. Not to go all crazy here and have everybody. Blast me on social media, and I. By the way, let's let's put this out there right now. I'm not saying Nebraska will win eight games, mm-hmm. but to come to that number, like Bill, as you asked that question to Chase, I looked at the schedule and quickly thought, well, what are the games they are, you know, 90 percent not winning? And I picked four of them, so that leaves eight wins. Mm-hmm. Ceiling, I think, is is eight. Eight and four would be a tremendous season with the first year coaching staff. Vegas has Nebraska at six and a half, which I think is a great line because that means you're either picking six and six or below or seven five and above. So I think Vegas is right on where Nebraska truly is. But the eight and four discussion, the 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 games I think Nebraska has like the ten percent or less chance to win, would include Michigan, Illinois,
1: um, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I'm not buying Wisconsin. They're completely overhauling their offensive system. Sorry, I I skipped
2: that. I I don't think Nebraska is going to beat Minnesota, Michigan, Illinois, and Wisconsin. I think Nebraska can beat Iowa. Yeah. And even if Nebraska loses to Iowa, then maybe they get Wisconsin. So I think that's where like the eight and four number comes comes up with. And some people might, you know, uh, be unhappy the fact that I threw Illinois in that that discussion. Let me tell you this right now: Illinois might win the Big Ten West. That is a veteran team with a really good offensive and defensive line, might be one of the best lines in college football. So I think Illinois is going to be a really tough game.
1: I think a lot of Husker fans have tried to block out what Brett Bielema did to us while he was at Wisconsin. And he's doing the same thing at Illinois. He's getting some big uglies on offensive and defensive lines.
2: And, you know, Nebraska does catch Illinois at a a, – a not-so-good time. They're going to come off the Michigan game, mm-hmm. and then they're going to have to go back on the road for a Friday night game. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be – the circumstances surrounding that game are going to be a little bit challenging.
1: Friday nights in Champaign, I don't think, have fair,
2: have treated Nebraska well. They, they they play a lot of Friday
1: night games in Champaign. Yeah. I don't know, I don't just, know about that. If it's
2: that. third and one of the games on the line,
1: run the football. Run the, run the ball. For anyone well, uh, who doesn't remember what that is, that was old Tom, Tommy Armstrong who – Threw the ball, incomplete pass, and they drove the field 90 yards, and we lost. Rascaloff Rascal lost. Yeah. So, you have something well, to add? I,
3: yeah, to, to talk about Illinois just briefly, I think you look at games that are a little bit more toss-ups. Like Purdue and Wisconsin, those are first-year head coaches just like rule. I think Illinois is a program that has been doing it the past couple of seasons, and once you kind of get that snowball rolling in the Big Ten, it's just there's not – that many one-season wonders, I feel like, as of recent. I think you have these programs that build and where what Rule wants to do is bring the respect. He started a Big Ten Media Days. So he wants the, the, the program to be respected first and then feared. I think, you know, looking at the win total, and eight, eight's a pretty good ceiling, that that Illinois game is going to be a tough game, just like Michigan and just like Wisconsin, too.
2: You know, there are one-year wonders. Look at what Kansas did last year. Mm-hmm. That's a team that just came out of well, nowhere saying, with Lance Leopold. In the Big Ten. That's That was the point I was going to make there to Chase, is that a one-year wonder in the Big Ten. You know, Northwestern has popped some seasons. Uh, but again, that was with a coach that had been there for almost two decades. Not there anymore. So, it, he, yes, he's not there anymore. But the one-year wonders just... They tend to be more teams uh, that happen to play in the American Conference, UCF, or they're uh, they're in the MAC, or they're out of the Mountain West. In the Big Ten, that's really tough. It's, it's not saying it won't happen at Nebraska with Matt Rule, but it's but top to bottom, the league is just tough. so good, and you have to have the right composition mm-hmm. to have a successful run in the Big Ten. And what I mean by the right composition. You have to have the right guys up front, and you got to be able to win in cold weather. And those are things that this coaching staff identified from the very beginning when they started to transform some of these guys' bodies and transform some of their makeup of, you know, let's make sure that they feel confident in tough situations. They had
1: them pushing sleds in the snow in Memorial Stadium back in January feels like seven years ago it does feel like seven years ago really quickly just to kind of put a bow on football again have to touch on again the news that came out this morning tight end Eric gilbert uh again arrested early tuesday morning breaking into a vape shop near 27th and oh rule touched on it uh earlier tuesday morning we'll go ahead and play his sound for everyone to
0: listen to you know first of all obviously i you know i came into work today and got the phone call about uh, eric uh, obviously um really disappointed really sad for him um you know, when we took when we took Eric, we thought we had a good we, we we knew we had a good group of people that were gonna help him through some of the issues he's he's dealing with in his life. Um, had been really proud of the job he had done in the spring, and summer. Um, but to be honest, during camp, you know, he's he's had, he's had some struggles, he's been working to overcome them. We have a great group of people here trying to help him and then um, obviously last night um, happened. So I don't have a lot of details. You guys probably have more details than me. I, I got a quick phone call and then went out to the field. So, um, you know, we'll work through those, you know, as we get more information. But uh, sad and disappointed, um, disappointed for him and his family, disappointed, obviously, for the business owner. And um, uh, we'll have to just work through it as we move forward.
1: So this was something, again, we were waiting on an eligibility waiver from the NCA. We didn't know if he was going to be able to play. Sounds like they've been prep- prepping for the season as if they wouldn't have him. Obviously not a great situation, you know, probably might. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the, what's going to happen afterwards or what, what's going to happen now, but sounds like he might not uh, be available for the team for a while.
2: Yeah, Eric Gilbert was not going to travel with the team to Minnesota. He had been playing on the scout team, as you mentioned, Bill. They were waiting on the NCAA's ruling on his eligibility as he comes over from Georgia, where he just won a national championship. Um, but clearly, this is much bigger than football. This is a legal matter, mm-hmm. and some of this will be beyond Matt Rules. Mm-hmm. Um decision-making mm-hmm. you know this will go through the top of the athletic department on how to handle um, somebody that has a legal case on his hands right now
1: yeah so back to something uh, just to, again kind of wrap things up here I want to touch uh, with both of you volleyball day in Nebraska's tomorrow uh, you know John Cook uh, Merritt Beeson uh, Becca Alec all spoke today Again, you can find their interviews on 10 platforms it sounds like they're kind of grasping the magnitude of what tomorrow is going to be potentially a world record sellout or world record for a women's athletic event, 90,000 people in the stands to watch volleyball. It's going to be pretty incredible to watch. I've been down there the last couple
2: of days, and just seeing the volleyball court on the football field, and not only that, but they have like the entire field covered because they're putting seating down all around. Um, I don't know if you attended the Garth Brooks concert, but this feels more like a concert than a sporting event. And... It just so happens that there is a bunch of young ladies between the ages of uh, 17 to 23 that are going to be the stars of the Mm -hmm. concert. And uh, John Cook's going to be out there on the court. They're having a lot of fun with it, as they should. And every team is taking its turn practicing on the court on Tuesday at Memorial Stadium. I think that is very wise because there are a lot of factors here, you know depth perception sunlight wind you know how the ball moves in the wind that was mm-hmm. something that i think the common volleyball viewer or fan doesn't quite understand that they're going to use a, uh, a a volleyball that maybe gets pushed by the wind a little bit more when they're outside
1: and smoke so- there's supposed to be smoke from canadian wildfires chase drifting through the area so again how does that you know impact players as they're going to be working hard and you know you know you got to take that all into into account.
3: Well, it's just like when you play a basketball ca- basketball game on an aircraft carrier, right? There's a lot of different factors. And I think, you know, regardless of what the game actually looks like and maybe the quality of play, I think it's just monumental for women's sports and just kind of an opportunity for the public eye to see the Nebraska faithful, but then also just, you know, celebrate volleyball in, in itself. Um, I think... When you get down to the nitty-gritty of actually a volleyball game happening, or multiple volleyball games, I should say, you know, there is going to be some challenges, and that's just part of it. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's going to be a cool event regardless. And I think to get a national spotlight um, on the Nebraska volleyball team as well as the other programs participating, I think is awesome. And I think as long as they win, they'll be happy.
1: Uh, And Becca Alec spoke today, Kevin. I have never heard Becca Alex speak before. She gave one of the best 10, 11, 12-minute press conferences I think I've ever heard.
2: Yeah, she's wise beyond her years. You know, we. she's from Lincoln. She played high school volleyball at Waverly. We, of course, have done multiple stories on Becca. we've known her for uh, several years before she ever played at Nebraska. And she, she's just a joy to be around, very well-spoken. My goodness, she does not sound like a 19, 20-year-old. Um But yeah, I have a sound bite
1: from her here.
3: You can't help but smile and laugh. It's just you get all giddy. It's like a kid on Christmas. You know, it's it's really hard to put into words because I feel like anything I say won't won't do it justice. It's it's such a gift. I mean, beyond blessed. I I don't know how else to put it. It's just super cool.
1: (laughs) Super cool. What she well, says.
2: You know, you said that you really enjoyed that press conference, Bill. You know, when we are at these press conferences, we're typically t- taking our notes. And anytime we hear something that might be a really good soundbite for a newscast, put a little star by it. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, and <laughs> of Becca Alex, 10 to, 10 to 12 minutes with the media, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different quotes of her, I had stars by. She was just great. And, you know, there's just so much excitement and anticipation. And I I get the sense from these girls too, that, you know, like even though it's here, it's still not sinking in. They've seen the court. It's still not sinking in that this is going to happen. And let's prepare ourselves all as Nebraska volleyball fans, or you take interest in the program, or it's the local team, you know, this is going to be on fox news and cnn and cbs national news it is this is a national story this is not just hey nebraska is doing something cool as chase mentioned you know this is putting a spotlight on the sport and i i said this on the 10 o'clock news last night i don't know where else in the country they could do something like this and it have the support not only from the team and the coaching staff but also the administration Mm -hmm. the event staff like This is going to be a show, and there's no better place for it to happen within within the terms of the sport of volleyball than here in Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: Absolutely. All right, our time's almost up here, Chase. Was there anything else you wanted to add, either volleyball day or football coming up on Thursday?
3: Well, all I'll say is it's going to be a hectic 48 hours, (laughs) but, you know, for us, it might be very busy, but for the Nebraska fan, I think – having a fun volleyball day in Nebraska and then being able to kick your feet up and look to maybe the Huskers get a win on Thursday. So it's just exciting. And it's it's finally all here, right? We've been talking about it for months. No,
2: 48 hours. Chase must have forgot there's high school football
1: on Friday. Yeah, 72 hours. Well, 72 was, hours.
3: I, no, no, no. I couldn't miss high school football.
1: <laughs> all right. Thank you, Chase. We're going to go ahead and uh, put a wrap on the show. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to add before we let everyone go today? It's here. It is here. It's finally here. I know. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. All right. In the 1011 Now streaming studio, this has been the End Report Husker Show. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. Please make sure to like and subscribe to the 1011 YouTube channel and all of the uh, podcast channels that we're on as well. As always, for all the latest news, weather, and sports, keep it tuned to 1011 both on air and online. For Kevin Suits, Chase Madison, I am Bill Rentschler. Thanks so much for watching.
0: You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on
4: 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. and download the 1011 Now app.